I, I guess I had a lot under my mind and, and I won't lie, it was it was nervous because I mean it's it's I mean I play against the Islanders and I coach against the Islanders, but I don't know much about Long Island. So I'm very excited about it and and, and, and um, I love the challenge and I'm I'm really thankful about the opportunity to, to be here. So I want our fans to be proud of them. I want our fans coming into the ring with their jersey on and say, wow, these guys play together. This is a team that play a 200 feet game. That's what I want. I want, to, I want our fans to, to enjoy watching our team play. And, and that's, that's my goal. Gotcha. We don't like analytics when, th when you're in the bottom of the league and we like it when we're in the top of the league. And so <laughs> that's pretty simple. But, but to some level, it doesn't lie. So that's a bit what I said to the guys. I mean, we're in the bottom of the league with, with, with breakouts. We're bottom of the league with uh, possession of puck possession in our own zone. We're bottom of the league with puck possession in the O zone. So there, there's some work to be, to be done there. But I, I really enjoyed this morning. They were very receptive. I mean, I felt like the guys are, are, are understanding the message. And like I said to them, I said, I really want it to be a, a partnership. So they need to be involved with, with me in, in what I do believe is, is the thing to do. And if they don't understand, and if I'm not clear enough, or if my message is, is they don't really understand the details, I want them to speak up and, and, and tell me. And then I found a different way to explain. But today I thought it went really well. And, and I feel like I think what they, they, they understood is a bit what Jacques Demers did to us in 93. I mean. Welcome into the program, everybody. I hope everybody had a nice weekend. That was New York Islanders head coach Patrick Waugh, who takes over from Lane Lambert. Uh, hope everybody had a nice weekend, by the way. We'll jump right into what is the story of the day and the story of the weekend. The Islanders pick up a 3-2 overtime win over the Dallas Stars last night, uh, giving Patrick Waugh a win in his debut thanks to Bo Horvat and his overtime heroics. But um, I hope everybody had a nice weekend. Uh, we're ready for a good week of shows, and we're going to dissect a nice weekend of hockey. We also have um, a new episode of On the Gravel on the network that just came out this morning with uh, Raven and Oliver. So everybody go give that a listen to. Uh, we're very glad you're with us today. Um, thank you for listening from wherever you are, and uh, we're going to jump right into it. So Patrick Waz, the new coach of the New York Islanders, the 19th coach in franchise history. He comes from the Quebec Ramparts. He was uh, coach last season. They won the Memorial Cup, his second Memorial Cup for since 2006, and he's taking over for an Islanders team that uh, had Land Lambert as the coach, and Lou Lamorello figured they needed a shakeup behind there. He was, uh, Lane Lambert had a 61, 46, and 20 record with the Islanders and just felt that they needed a bit more of a lively, fiery personality back there. And they certainly got it. Uh, we heard Patrick talk about his uh, first skate with the group and how that went. And we all saw the clip of him barking and getting the intensity up in the, in the skate, getting these guys to work really hard. So, we're definitely going to see more of that that fire and that passion behind the bench than maybe was there before with Lane Lambert. And, but what we did hear from Patrick Waugh, and we'll get into it in a second, is uh, a more grateful and a more understanding person than maybe the first time around behind an NHL bench. And um, I think, personally, this is a great move. I think the Islanders really needed a shakeup like this, and I think a lot of teams in the NHL are going to be kicking themselves pretty soon, having not 
considered Patrick Waugh a little bit sooner. We know that there's interim uh, coaching positions currently in St. Louis right now with Drew Bannister and in Ottawa right now with Jacques Lemaire. So the Islanders probably got themselves a good one. They probably got themselves a really good one. Um, he uh, was 130, 92, and 24 in three seasons with the Avs from 2013 to 16 before leaving the August before that next season. And we all know that there were discussions where Patrick Waugh wanted to be more involved with the management side of things in Colorado. He thought that he could take on more of a managerial role in addition to the coaching. And he said in a later press conference uh, after the game that he understands that that's a difficult job and he has enough on his plate with um, the quote was getting to have relationships with his players and developing those relationships and that that is enough to satisfy the duties of being a part of an NHL team and that he doesn't need the added responsibility of being in management. So this is going to be good for the Islanders. Um, you know, plus they have Lou Lamorello in there. So it's not like Patrick is going to get in and do a lot of managing. So um, I, I think that outside from the obvious, right? So he's coach for the whole team. Yes, he's one of the best goalies that has ever played. So um, my mind comes to a person like Elias Sorokin, um, the only player that is on the Islanders that was on those avalanche teams with Patrick Waugh is backup goaltender Semyon Barlamov, who plays a lot and is one of the better backup goaltenders in the league. And he's not, they'll, they will continue to have a goalie coach. He's the head coach. He's not the goalie coach. So it won't be where Patrick is working with Elias Sorokin specifically, but with bits of advice here and there and tips and suggestions and just being together, working on the same team, Elias Sorokin will see benefit and growth in his own game. So I'm looking for that, especially because Sorokin is having kind of a down season by his expectations. He's only at one and a half goal save above expected um, when last season and the season before he was at or near the top of those um, rankings. So I see this helping him. I see this helping someone like Anders Lee maybe find a bit more openness into his game and be able to find the score sheet a little bit more. Um, I think Patrick Waugh is going to have to use somebody like Anders Lee. And then when you look at the Islanders, this has to be led by the two stars, which are Matt Barzell on the front end and Noah Dobson on the back end. And um, they're both tied for five in the NHL with 24 primary assists. So the offensive ability is there, and it was there before yesterday's outing. So, um, And Noah Dobson also leads the NHL in minutes played with almost 1,200, uh, 1,186 to be exact. So, And he's 12th in black shots. So you know you have one of the top horses in the NHL on your defense, not even including some of the other all-star defensemen you have with Ryan Pollock and Adam Pollock and... Um, Scott Mayfield's a really good defenseman for the Islanders. So you have these guys, and now you have to make them go, and you have to make them lead. And uh, Barzell used words like puck possession in his postgame interview yesterday and aggressiveness, and that being uh, a difference in what he's already seen from Patrick Waugh's coaching style and how he wants the Islanders to play. So I think those are two things that will suit Matt Barzell very well. And I think with Dobson, it's just making sure that he is most effectively utilized when you are using someone like that all the time because you don't want to overuse someone. I think we're starting to see that a little bit with a player maybe like Brock Faber in Minnesota, even though he's been so good. They 
they rely on him. Even though he's as young as he is, they rely on him more than a majority of their defensemen outside of Jonas Brodin at this point with um, Jared Spurgeon now missing the rest of the season. We'll get to that in a little bit. But sticking on the Islanders, um, Barzell leads uh, the NHL uh, with Leon Dreisaitl in takeaways at 52. And um, there is talent there to play to the identity that brought the Islanders to two conference finals with Barry Trotz before Lane Lambert replaced him. However, I can also see this going in a new direction and a new identity for the New York Islanders. So um, I think this is a great move. I think um, this is something that the Islanders needed. Uh, The fan base in particular has been calling for a move like this, and I think it surprised everybody in the NHL, even Islanders fans. So... We'll see how they hold up. They'll host the Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday, tomorrow night. So uh, we will be watching that one with keen interest. Can I give um, you a little bit of relatively, I'm not going to say breaking news because it's not that important, but it's something no, no, that no, just happened 20 yeah, minutes yeah. ago. Edmonton just so signed Corey Perry to a one-year $775,000 contract. Okay, so it's official. Uh, we'll, we'll go there right now. So so we'll book in the Islanders. Um, yeah, we'll watch them on Tuesday night. Uh, that should be a good one. We'll see if they can get on a bit of a roll here. And honestly, the Islanders are a very good team. We Patrick Waugh said that in the clip we played. They're a very good team. If they had won even half of the overtime shootout games that they've lost, they'd be in a lot better of a position. So, But Corey Perry. So Corey Perry signs with Edmonton, league minimum. Um, this is after he's been released by the Blackhawks. It's been a little while about that. Um, No one really knows what happened in Chicago, and I don't think we're going to find out what happened in Chicago. It surprises me a little bit that he chose Edmonton. Um, There is the understanding of they're very good. They've won 13 in a row after a battle of Alberta win on Saturday, 3-1 over the Flames. But it's a loud market, man. Like, that's a loud market in Edmonton. It's not like Florida, and it's not like Tampa Bay, which were some of the other options apparently on the table but um yeah it's a good signing definitely for Edmonton they're getting him at the right time 13 game winning streak will you know definitely get a player to want to come to your city so it's going to help the bottom six a lot it's going to create more competition I mean he's going to do what Corey Perry does they're going to need him in the playoffs he's going to help them a lot in the playoffs um I'm interested to see if anything comes of what happened in Chicago, right? Like th- there is some, you know, I, I, I'm never going to speculate on those kinds of things, but you would like to know some answers and the answer is we'll probably never know the real answer. So um, I guess if there's any market that could get it out of him, it might be Edmonton, except for maybe Toronto if he had signed with the Leafs. So um, yeah, so good. that's a good addition for the Oilers. They've won 13 in a row. Um, that was a great game. We watched that a little bit after the, uh, the Packers lost. Sorry about that one, Raven. Um, but the Edmonton Oilers will play on Tuesday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So I wonder if that's a bit too soon to which we might see Corey Perry in the lineup. I guess we won't know when we'll see him in the lineup. Um, trying to see when their next game after that would be. And they will host the Chicago Blackhawks on Thursday. So if Corey Perry does not get into the lineup on Tuesday, he could get into the lineup on Thursday versus his old club that he played for this season. Would that not be a good storyline? So uh, we'll see about that one. Um, 
one more point, I, not not on the Islanders, but to sort of transition out of it. So uh, the Islanders beat the Dallas Stars yesterday, three to two, and those Dallas Stars deserved a much better fate last night. They um, the new coach bump definitely carried the Islanders for a little bit there, um, especially through about the first eight minutes of the second period. Then Dallas started to take over. Rupe Hintz was been he was unbelievable. Um, Jason Robertson got the goal. He That was a sweet pass reception through the legs. We've seen quite a few of those. The Austin Matthews goal in Seattle comes to mind. Um, but why Johnson has just been unbelievable since being promoted to the Stars' top line with Hintz and Robertson. Talked a little bit about it on Friday, I think, maybe on Thursday. But um, Dallas beats the New Jersey Devils 6-2 on Saturday. And it wasn't even that close because it was six nothing for a little bit before Dallas got or before the Devils got the last two goals. And things were very quiet in New Jersey after uh, they scored to make it six zero. So they deserved a much better fate on Long Island yesterday. The uh, Islanders did end up taking that one. And um, just bouncing around the NHL here a little bit. Um, Sweet dish by Logan Couture to Mark Edward Vlasic on Saturday night. The San Jose Sharks defeat the Anaheim Ducks 5-3. to three. And that was the first game of the season for Logan Couture. And I don't think a lot of people really realize that, but the San Jose captain has missed the first 45 games of the season with a, a groin, abdomen, hip sort of situation with some inflammation in his groin. So um, you could just see the look on Mark Edward Vlasic's face. I think that was one of the better... Moments of this weekend were uh, those two older elder statesmen on the Sharks really uh, sharing an embrace, and it's been a long time coming for Logan Couture. He's uh, it's been and it's been a rough season in San Jose. We've talked a lot about it here in the studio, and um, some of those games have been tough. We've seen some two different prolonged losing streaks, and um, it's hard to get victories in a season like that. We we all know that, so. Um, to see a nice little victory like that. And it's not even really a little victory. It's good for Logan Couture to get back into action. Um, so good for him. Good for the Sharks. They will play again tonight. Um, Dylan Dubé also. Calgary Flames taking a mental health leave of absence. I think that's really cool that we are in a place now in this world where a hockey player can take a leave of absence for mental health. And it's not totally... Um, frowned upon or looked at a little differently, he should be able to take some time. He's had a little bit of a tough season. I was just say, I feel like for these guys too, especially, it's like it's a lot different with baseball and basketball and football, where you know there's a lot of other teams that can be taking the heat for you at any other time. But that's where I feel like hockey; these guys are kind of under a spotlight a little bit more because. I mean, we were talking about line differentials when we were watching the hockey game uh, a little bit on Sunday, but some of these guys are going to still be playing, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes a night on their, like, nights that they're not playing well or just nights that they're not feeling it, where I feel like if you give these guys those breaks compared to, like, a football player where you're playing once a week, you're going to get a lot more out of these guys in the long run, and... I feel like them moving in a direction where mental health is a little bit more of an importance, especially in like men's sports. Um, it's just really good to see. And I think it is a lot about where we are as a society now and talking about mental health. But is this like one of the first players to do so in the NHL? Um, I don't know if it's the, the wording of it, of 
Dylan Dubé leaving the team. And Dylan Dubé is a great player. Um, like I said, he's been struggling a little bit this year. But the wording of the statement where it says that he was taking a leave for mental health reasons, um, a mental it, health leave of absence, is that wording I think is speci- uh, like newly specific. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I think I've never really seen that phrasing before. Um, if we're going to stick in Calgary, who will take on St. Louis tomorrow night? They'll host St. Louis um, tomorrow night. Um, Oliver Shillington is another player on the Flames. And nobody, nobody ever said with Shillington that it was um, mental health leave of absence. It, a lot of times the phrase personal reasons just gets thrown around out there, right? Anything that's uh, personal like that, I guess, they just kind of use the word uh, phrase personal for um personal reasons and they will uh just kind of use that so as to not really give much detail so uh we've seen that before i think it was a lot of mental health struggles with oliver shillington and maybe some other personal stuff going on in his life that may have been difficult to deal with while balancing being a pro hockey player and he now after it's been over a year that this guy hasn't played in the nhl and he has gotten into some games i'm trying to look up how many games he um has gotten into with the Calgary Wranglers. Um, but um, so the, the, this organization is familiar with dealing with players that are struggling. And I think in a place like Calgary, not that any, every market should care about mental health in the state of players, but Calgary, you want to make sure that these players are happy and that they feel that you are doing what is best to take care of them. Um, Oliver Shillington has played two games for the Calgary Wranglers. Um, so, and he just recently got called up from what I uh, have heard after they put Marty Pospisil on the IR. So, um, yeah, I didn't mean to do that much on Dylan Dubé. I'm just, I, I hope he finds his peace. I hope he uh, is able to regain his form too when he comes back to the lineup. I think everybody's having a tough season in Calgary. So, um, it's not just on him. And so, um, like I said, wish him all the best. We'll hope he gets better soon. Uh, the Wild, also some tough news. And then we'll switch over to some more positive stuff and fun stuff. Uh, Jared Spurgeon will miss the end of the season. We were talking about the Wild's thin back end with Brock Faber leading the charge. And uh, Jared Spurgeon, this is brutal. He's going to have uh, left hip surgery on February 6th. And then four, le- four weeks later, he's going to have back surgery. So the Minnesota Wild will be missing their captain for the rest of the season. It was... Uh, Hard season for him anyways. Uh, He didn't play that many games from my uh, knowledge. I think he only played like maybe eight games, but um, tough season for Jared Spurgeon and tough season for the Wild. They So we'll do a minute on the Minnesota Wild here, a Minnesota minute. And uh, so they won two games, very two very important games for them this uh, weekend. They... uh, So they beat the Florida Panthers 7-4 to in a barn burner. That was a wild game. And that was the game in which Marc-Andre Fleury was knocked out from the hit from Will Lockwood. Will Lockwood was then suspended three games for goaltender interference. Um, That's a bit of a tough call for me because I'm a big Marc-Andre Fleury fan, and I did not like the hit from Will Lockwood, even though I do understand a lot of people's point of view that he was trying to get out of the way and that Marc-Andre Fleury was outside of his crease. So this distinction of if a goalie um, is playable i guess or hittable if they are outside the crease i mean the the nhl's answer has always been no that you do not hit a goalie whether they are in or out of the crease that they are still the goalie however 
it might give a little bit more credence to Will Lockwood for what he did because Marc-Andre Fleur was behind the net handling the puck as opposed to in the crease with the puck. Um, but a lot of uh, a lot of Marc-Andre's teammates took some exception to that. So uh, Will Lockwood will miss the next three games. He will serve the first game of that suspension tonight as the Panthers visit the Predators. Um, so that was an interesting one. Uh, then the Wild go into... Uh, Carolina. Sorry, I almost said the Wild went into Minnesota. But the Wild go into Carolina yesterday. They play the Hurricanes, and I was watching that game, and it looked like Carolina was going to run them out of the building, and then Philip Gustafson, who is filling in for the injured Marc-Andre Fleury now, was incredible. He made 40 saves on 42. The Wild walk out of there with a 5-2 win. Kirill Kaprizov has his second career hat trick. And um, the Wild escape with two wins that they... A lot of people probably did not peg them to get before the weekend started, but the, the, that they walked away with afterwards. So um, that was a great win for Minnesota uh, yesterday, especially. That was a real team win. You know, they were frustrated after the Lockwood hit on Flurry. So uh, they will return home now after a uh, trip east for them, and they'll, they'll host the Washington Capitals tomorrow. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, Mark andre Flurry was supposed to be out at least a game, so that was yesterday. We'll see if he is out tomorrow. And if Jesper Wallstedt might get another look in the NHL, or I don't know how you don't go back to Philip Gustafson after that one, but um, that was just a really good game in general. I'm trying to think what else happened last night. Um, this was the weekend of splits across the NHL. A lot of uh, win one, lose one, or vice versa. Not a lot of teams taking uh, two wins besides the Wild. The, the Sens got a split. The Stars got the split. The Rangers got the split. Um, the Leafs won last night to get the split after losing in Vancouver on Saturday night. Um, the Lightning lost to the Red Wings after beating Buffalo on Saturday. The Islanders obviously had a split this weekend after losing to the Blackhawks on Friday, in which was Lane Lambert's final game as head coach. Um, and then it was a tough weekend for the Devils. They um, really, things are getting tough in New Jersey. We mentioned it a little bit when they went down 6-0 to Dallas and um they're going to host the Golden Knights tonight, and I don't know if Nico Dawes will be getting a start again in the net, but he struggled a little bit on Saturday. So um, we will see about that one tonight. Um, the other games, so the Blackhawks, who uh, beat the Islanders, like I said, on Friday in that game that um, ended Lane, Lambert, Lane Lambert's tenure as the Islanders head coach, uh, they will take on the Red Hot Vancouver Canucks tonight. Um, Pittsburgh will visit the Arizona Coyotes. They're really hoping to put more than a couple together here, uh, really jumpstart their season, get back into it. Um, like I said, the Sharks will play the Kings later tonight. That is the that is the late one this evening. Um, but really good hockey games. Only six games on tonight, but the, the Jets-Bruins should be a really, really good game tonight too. Um, and we're getting to that point now where these games start feeling heavier. They start feeling like, must wins, can't lose, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, they're getting there. So uh, we'll see what tonight will bring. It should be an exciting night of hockey. I'm looking forward to it. Man, and the other part of this, too, is we're going to get off and immediately some big news is going to break. Um, but speaking of big big games and games that mean a lot, uh, Raven and I were watching the PWHL highlights. I watched the game yesterday. I watched the highlights again, and then I showed Raven the highlights today. Um, we had the first PWHL game and in a shootout, Toronto beats Montreal 4-3. to And when we've talked about the PWHL, um, the league only started 21 days ago, today on Monday. And um, 
these games, first of all, like we, we posited when our first fight was going to come and we thought that it might take a bit longer for some of the, the chippiness and some of the um, feistiness to bring itself and uh, show itself in this game. Uh, but these girls are already getting after it. I mean, like, I, I don't know any other way to put it, but they uh, yesterday or Saturday's game between Toronto and Montreal, which uh, Toronto took four to three in the shootout. Um, that was a chippy game. There were a lot of uh, post-whistle scrums, uh, a lot of penalties for hitting, a lot of uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin grabbing the Toronto player after not liking what she saw uh, being done to her goalie on Renee Debien and takes a girl and throws her right into the boards and takes a penalty for that one. And um, Marie-Philippe Poulin was incredible. I think that she gets the... The talk that she deserves being the best women's hockey player in the world. But what I watched on Saturday and what Raven and I watched again this morning was just ridiculous. Um, I don't know how many times I've truly seen a player impact every single facet of the game in the way Marie-Philippe Poulin did in that game against Toronto. And I know they lost, but there was nothing more that she could have done besides bury one on the power play in overtime. And she had her looks. Like, she was close. But... Poulin scores the second goal for Montreal on a great breakaway to make it 2-1. And then with 17 seconds left on the clock, this is incredible. There, She's hanging out by center ice with the puck. There's not a lot of time left. Time is slowly trickling down. And she takes it one on five and beats every single Toronto player. Takes it straight to the net where all these players should go. Um, more players just got to take the puck to the net. Good things happen when you take the puck to the net. Even if it hits off somebody, even if it trickles in over the line, good things happen when you take the puck to the net. So Marie-Philippe Poulin takes it to the net. She scores with 16 left to tie the game. And uh, they had a few chances in the three-on-three overtime with the power play that came, but nothing went to it. It went to the shootout. And when we had Avery Lewis-McDougal on, we're going to get him on again, too, to talk about the Oilers. They might not lose before we get Avery on again in about a week or so. We'll bring him on. Maybe we'll bring him on later in the week, depending on how he's feeling. But we talked about with him a lot of the rule changes and all these different things that they're trying, like the power kill and the oh, everything. So um, like you can in international play, the the thing about international shootouts, so the NHL is best of, best of three shootouts. The IIHF shootouts are best of five. And in the IIHF, after the fifth shooter, you can repeat shooters. And you can repeat that shooter as many times as you like. So you can put them in the... The sixth round, the seventh round, the eighth round, and so on. But in the PWHL, what they're trying is you can shoot as many times as you want, regardless of what round it is. So Marie-Philippe Poulin having the game of her life that she was having and calling that the game of her life is a stretch because she's had so many. But they had her shoot four times, and it was awesome. It was it was really great. I, um, I, I couldn't believe that they tried it, but why wouldn't you, right? Raven, what do you, I, I actually want to know just your opinion on it. Like going to her four times in the shootout, she scored once. Kristen Campbell was phenomenal. Just really made some awesome saves on Poulin in the shootout. And honestly, getting the win, being able to say that you stopped three or four from MPP is really good. And that's a great night. But do you like the the fact that they went back to her multiple times and the, the ability? To, I think it's a great role. I think it's a cool rule. I don't know how effective it would, it's going to be like she missed her first two, scored the third, and then they had someone else shoot the puck once, I think, on the, on the third shootout attempt it was, and she just missed the net completely, so they just put her back out there. But, like, if you're a team that 
doesn't have many good shootout players, then I do think it helps you a lot. But I don't know how many teams are just going to send the same like person five times rather than maybe split it between like two or three. It is interesting, right? Because you bring up like the probability of it working and it might not work as often as you might think because I don't know that anybody could have been uh, more scorching with their stick than Marie Philippe going into that shootout. And you're right, she did only score one of four. So um, I, d- I bet we'll see it more as the league goes on, right? We're going to see more instances of this and we'll see how it works and how it doesn't maybe. But I like it a lot. I, I think it's a cool role. Um, I don't know if it's one of those that the NHL is going to bring up eventually to the big leagues, but um, that's the other cool thing about this league. And we've talked about it, like I said, with Avery a little bit is that the, the NHL has the AHL as a league to try these different roles and try these different things. But now you have the, when it goes through the AHL, it almost has to be impressed upon by the NHL to be like, Hey, we want you guys to try this, or we think this is a good idea and we could do it. The PWHL and the NHL don't have any link like that. So they're just kind of doing it. They're just doing these things and saying, we're going to try this because we want to be different and we want to try and push the the boundaries of the game and our game and what they're trying to build. And I think it's awesome. So now the NHL has a, a testing ground almost to be able to look at these rule changes like the power kill, which I like a lot, where um, now they don't really like they can look at these things from afar and then decide if they want to even try it in the American Hockey League and then eventually maybe some NHL preseason games and maybe we'll see some of these rules in the NHL. So I think that that's really cool. Uh, We talked about these games mattering. These games matter already. Like, I I can't stress that enough. Toronto will uh, be in Ottawa for their next game tomorrow night, and then that is a back-to-back for Ottawa, which we I don't think we've seen too many of, of these teams playing back-to-back. So Ottawa will host Toronto tomorrow night and then on Wednesday they will host uh, I think Boston so um yeah so yeah they will host Boston on Wednesday so um those games are huge like these uh you almost don't want to say it right because anything can happen but I would go so far as to call tomorrow for Toronto get that one out Kirkos um I would say tomorrow for Toronto is a must win. And I think yesterday or Saturday night for Toronto was a must win. So they got the win there. The PWHL is very exciting. I know we just spent a little bit of time on there, but uh, it is very exciting stuff. I'm really a big fan of it. Um, What else we got around the league? Uh, Shane Pinto playing his first game after his 41 suspension from gambling. He got an assist in that one. Um, Pretty cool moment after the game. They, you know, all these teams do their, like, internal player of the game in the locker room where they exchange some sort of knick-knack or hat or mask or something, dog mask if you're the Philadelphia Flyers. But um, the Ottawa Senators did their win thing. I think it's a firefighter hat, and they gave it to Vlad Tarasenko, and he was like, hey, you know what? This guy has just played his first game the whole season, and um, you know that Shane Pinto's very appreciative of the opportunity to be back with the team. Um, That was a pretty scary scenario if you were him if you were Shane Pinto um not that it ever got to that but the gambling in the NHL they they really don't want any of that to mix and that could have been very detrimental to the career of Shane Pinto one that is very promising and one that he just started so nice to see him back in the lineup and honestly that might change around a few things for Ottawa 
maybe it gets them going a little bit more. We'll see about that. Um, what else do we have? So we watched Arbor Jacki beat up a player in the AHL on Saturday. Uh, that was a great fight. What would you think of that one, Raven? That was a big fight. Yeah, it was. Um, so the Montreal Canadiens have said they are not trading Arbor Jacki. That was said on Saturday. Um, he is down with the AHL's Laval Rocket uh, after spending a majority of his career, in, all of his career really, pro in the NHL. And he was hurt, and then they sent him down to get some games in, and he's played really well on a Laval team that is pretty darn good, actually, right now. They're playing very well right now. And, um, yeah, so I, I would assume that Arbor Jacki gets a call-up to the NHL at some point. I don't know that the Canadians are going to want to leave a defenseman like that just... I don't want to say wasting away in the minors because that's not the case at all. Um, he is learning there, and he's playing very important minutes there for a good team, like I said. Um, but the, the Canadians do have a bit of uh, a luxury on the back end with some of these players, and um, I know that they're in the process right now of figuring out which guys are going to be a part of the picture long term. Some of the guys like Jordan Harris and Jaden Struble and Caden Gooley's obviously going to be a part of things for a while, so will Justin Barron, but a lot of these other young guys are um, getting looks in the NHL, but I think Jack I will be called up eventually. Um, Logan Mayu is also having a good season with Laval, and uh, they also have David Reinbacher, who they just drafted too. So things are looking good on the back end long term for Montreal. We'll just see what happens with Jack I, and he's fun to watch. I know everybody loves watching him fight, but he's also just a really good player. He's got a great shot. He's got softer hands than a lot of people really realize, and maybe that's from all the fighting. I don't think so, though. Um, but we will see about that. Um, uh, so the CHL top prospects game is taking place. I think they're in Moncton, although I want to make sure of that. Um, so that will be an exciting game. I It is in Moncton. I am not losing my mind. Um, so... The captains are Sam Dickinson and Berkeley Catton. Dickinson plays for the London Knights. Uh, Berkeley Catton plays for the Spokane Chiefs. And um, I'm going to watch this game. This is going to be a really good game. I'm really excited to see some of these players. Um, Carter George, the goalie for Owen Sound, is uh, the top-ranked North American goalie right now by Central Scouting. So looking to see how he plays, even though goaltending performances in these kinds of games can be kind of uh, skewed. Um, obviously I'm looking forward to seeing Sam Dickinson. I think he might be, in my opinion, the second best defenseman in this draft behind Artie Levshinov and Michigan State. Um, Caden Lindstrom is a player that really interests me from Medicine Hat. He is rocketing up lists as far as draft rankings. And I, I think personally, this kid could go top five. He's a big rangy center, um, can really score, um, so we'll see how he does. I think that's an interesting one. Ryder Ritchie, too, is a prospect that really entices me. I think everybody's looking forward to watching Tijaginla of the uh, Kelowna Rockets. Sorry. Um, obviously, the son of Jerome Aginla. And I don't know if you've had a player like this, but I think Raven, I think right here with this top prospects game, and uh, Tij Aginla is his name, and he's awesome. I think he's going to be a really good NHL player. Um, speaking of young players that are going to rise up draft rankings by the end of the season. I think Tijikinla will, I think he could eventually crack the top 10 as far as this draft goes in 2024. Um, but Tijikinla is the first hockey player to make me feel old because I watched his dad a lot. And his dad was one of my favorite players ever. 
And I loved him at the end of his career. I remember the first time Jerome McGinley was traded from Calgary to Pittsburgh. And that was a, you know, a big deal and a big sweepstakes as to where's Iggy going and where's Jerome McGinley going. And um, he's one of those all timers that never won the Stanley Cup, but is still uh, one of the best who probably never did. Um, do you have any guys like that where you, where you saw a player and he was the, the kid of a player that you had watched and you were like, wow. Do we got Raven? Oh, I didn't know you were. Oh, I would. Yeah, 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 no, so no, no, you're good. Do you, do you have a player that, um, you know, you saw that's like the kid of a player that you watched a lot of growing up? I don't think they're there yet, but there's a lot of like names that I didn't watch, but I know. From like watching with my stepdad growing up and shit, but it's more so like I wouldn't say they're there yet, but there are names that are familiar with me, like that I know, and their kids are like moving up. Like there's a few guys in Georgia I know that their dads played baseball and that they're moving up through those ranks, but it's still a few more years, I think. Yeah, you're still a few years out from that. Um but no, I, so I'm a big fan of Tidge. I think that'll be a good game. I'm trying to think. Zane Parekh, too. So um, Saginaw is hosting the Memorial Cup. Raven and I are hoping that we're going to get out there when it does happen. I think we're going to make that happen. We're going to be boots on the ground at the Memorial Cup in Saginaw. But um, Zane Parekh is really going to shoot up rankings. If we're talking about guys that are very, very impressive, I, I'm just going to take a second here and pull up some of his stats. But he plays on the back end for the... Saginaw spirit and the kid scores goals like you would not believe he um he has 22 goals in 42 games already as a defenseman he is leading draft eligibles in the OHL in points per game if I'm not mistaken it might be a tie between or not a tie but it's a race between him and Liam Green Greentree of the Windsor Spitfires so Perek's been awesome he's a really good player he's putting the puck in the back of the net a lot the Spirit have a lot of players, right? Like you're, when you host the Memorial Cup, you look to bolster your lineup as much as possible. Uh, Perek, by the way, so he has four goals and five assists for nine points in his last five games. And in his last 10 games, he has nine goals and 11 assists for 20 points. So he's been on fire. And I think that's even an understatement. But he's been really good. He's very talented. Reminds me of Quinn Hughes a little bit the way he plays. Um, just that shiftiness from the back end, the threat to score from the back end. Um, he's a very talented player. I don't know how high he eventually cracks in the defenseman rankings, but I don't know that he's far behind guys like Levshinov and Dickinson. Um, there might be a little bit of a gap between him and those guys, but I don't think that there is much of one. Um, other guys I'm looking forward to seeing at the Prospects game on Wednesday, Tanner Howe and... Um, Maxim Massey should be a good player, but we'll see about that. Green Tree, Green Tree two um, should be a good one. Um, other than that, uh, Alexi Protis signing uh, an extension with the Washington Capitals. He gets five years from them. I think he got seventeen million dollars. It was the largest contract I saw by a Belarusian player since Michael Grabowski, former Toronto Maple Leaf, who is a funny follow on Instagram. If you uh, do not check him out already, um, so congrats to Alexi Protis. Um, Washington is slowly rewarding their their new emerging young talented core of players that will be with them through the end of the Alexander Ovechkin era and even as they transition into the next phase of who they are as an organization. Um, 
let's see what else we got on tap here. Uh, just We always got to do uh, some work around. Yeah, so the Oilers do officially sign Corey Perry um, for the remainder of the season. It is a one-year deal, like I said, for the rest of the year. It is for league minimum. Um, and uh, there are some performance bonuses. So an additional 325K in performance bonuses can be agreed upon. He will wear number 90 for the Edmonton. For the Edmonton Oilers. So um, he's been out without a team for a little while. Oh, so here are the bonus structures as they are broken down. This is according to Cap Friendly. Uh, 225000 for 10 games played. fifty k if Edmonton wins the second round of the playoffs and Perry A, plays in 50% of round two games or B, 50% of the total of round one and round two games. And then the last fifty k is if Edmonton wins the third round of the playoffs and Perry, oh gosh, the tweet ends... Uh, and Perry plays 50% of round three games, or B, he plays the 50% of the total of round one, two, and three games. A mouthful, but basically it means if the Oilers win and Perry plays, he will get paid. Um, the Oilers will have some interesting buyout, or not buyout, I'm sorry, bonus overages uh, that will be applying to the cap next season. We got these potential Corey Perry bonuses hitting. And we have the potential Connor Brown bonuses or the Brown bonuses that are hitting because he had one that triggered after uh, playing in 10 games, I think. So um, I think that will do it. I'm looking what else we have. Patrice Bergeron saying that he is happy in retirement. Um, So that is uh, I guess he's not we're not getting a Patrice Bergeron um, return to the NHL. there was one more thing I wanted to talk about, and it was the celebrity captains. Um, let's see if we can get this up real quick. Um, doo, doo, doo. Okay, Raven, what do you think of this? So the NHL is doing their all-star game. They divide it up by division and how they do the players. It's going to be a three-on-three tournament like they've been doing for the last few years. Um or I guess it's a draft, so it's not by division, but they have these team captains. So the the four captains, it's like a celebrity captain, and they're teaming up with a player. So you got Justin Bieber and Austin Matthews teaming up uh, as one of the teams. You have Will Arnett, actor, joining uh, Connor McDavid. And you have Michael Buble joining Jack Hughes. And then you have Tate McRae joining the Nate McKinnon crew. So uh, any thoughts on that? No. I mean, it's pretty cool. I think Will Arnett's cool. Yeah, I like no. him a lot. So, I de- think it's def- cool. Definitely gonna be rooting for him out of the four. <laughs> yeah, I think Michael Bublé is really cool. Michael Bublé is the other name that's pretty cool. Tate McRae, I just know because my girlfriend likes her music. But you know, she dated a hockey player, right? Yeah. Did you? I wanted to ask you this, but did you know that? Um, I forget. Dixie D'Amelio's dating a hockey player. Yeah, she's dating Trevor Zegers right yeah, that's, now. Yeah, that's so small world. Yeah, that is a small world. Um, all right, well, so we'll end on that. I, I, I'm excited to see it. I think it's cool. Um, the jerseys that they did, obviously. Did you catch the jerseys, Raven? No, I did not. Go look up the NHL All-Star Game jerseys. So they're made by um, Justin Bieber's clothing company, Drew House. And there were mixed emotions about them. At first, I didn't like them. Then is they started the, to grow on me. They're the, the white, blue, red, and yellow? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, they're cool, but... Maybe get like. Do you really think they're cool? Like, would you would you go around I rocking one I of those? I wouldn't personally. Maybe the white one. That's like the only one, or the red with 
the I kind of like the yellow a little bit. I won't even lie. I was say the yellow works if you're like a Nashville fan, but I think it would have been cool if like you split the divisions and put all of the logos on them. Do you think it's a bit? I don't know how to say it, but uh, do you think they're a bit soft? I don't. I wouldn't say soft. I mean, it's weird not seeing any. Like I'm hoping there's ads or like space taken from the jerseys you hope there's ads you might be the first person in the history of hockey to say that you hope that there's ads on a hockey jersey here's my thing if you look at any other like sports jersey there's at least one there's at least one advertisement on the jersey okay fair and hot and football is the one that like you're really only doing the brand that's making the jerseys football basketball or uh, basketball baseball and Soccer all have sponsors on their uniforms. I think it a works because it takes up some space on the uniform. It gives it something that is relevant to a team. It's the same like maybe they don't do advertisements like I was just saying. They do the four divisions like all the team logos spread out on a design. Just something that makes the jerseys a little bit more personalized for the guys that are wearing it. Heard, heard. Um yeah, I mean, it should be interesting. We'll see how it all goes. Um, that is in a couple weeks. Can you look up when the All-Star Game is, actually? I feel like it's uh, approaching pretty soon. February 1st. Oh, so it's right around the corner. Right around the corner. So I think we're like a couple weeks away. Yeah, from, first, uh, first through 4th is the uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, Yeah, so uh, one last thing I wanted to bring up before we go. And uh, it is a bit of junior hockey drama. And... It, it involves the BCHL, the British Columbia Hockey League, and it involves the AJHL, the Alberta Junior League, and um, five teams. So you have the Black Falls Bulldogs, you have the Brooks Bandits, you have the Okotoks Oilers, you have the Sherwood Park Crusaders, and you have the Spruce Grove Saints. So you might be wondering, Tassos, why are we talking about Tier 2 Junior Hockey in Canada? Well... The BCHL is a very good hockey league. It is the league of which Kale McCarr has come from and um, numerous other talented NHL players that dot the league right now. And the BCHL, about a year ago now, decided to remove themselves out from under the jurisdiction of Hockey Canada so as to be able to better and more efficiently recruit players from all across the country to be able to come play in BC, in British Columbia. The the Hockey Canada group didn't like that very much. There is still um, some ongoing debate and discussion surrounding, surrounding all of it. Um, they've essentially gone rogue. And I think it might be a good thing for junior hockey that the BCHL has done this. Um, it is a very, very good league and a very talented league. And they don't like the way that some things are being done within Hockey Canada and some of the upper levels of the organization of the of the group and so they feel like they're going to do their own thing so the bchl snaps up five junior a hockey teams and those teams the brooks bandits and the sherwood park crusaders and the spruce grove saints the oilers the okotoks oilers um those are all premier level teams as far as the alberta junior league goes like those there are nhl players that play for those teams so um the AJHL canceled two of their games that were scheduled to take place on Saturday and two games on Sunday on Saturday, two games on Sunday were also canceled. Um, 
the they involve the teams that join the BCHL. So uh, that league will be growing from 17 to 22 next season. And the AJHL will shrink from 16 to 11. Um, and the AJHL, like this is uh, this is a league that has been around since 1964. So it's not like this is a new league. Like this has been around a long time. Um, and it's this entire situation with the BCHL is kind of uh, driving a wedge in junior A hockey and you're on one side of the line or you're on the other and there isn't really a whole heck of a line, a lot of room to be fence-setting when it comes to this. Um, so Hockey Canada is not really going to be happy about all this and it really, I think the largest picture about this is it's all about what people feel is best and right for these kids. That is why the BCHL separated from Hockey Canada. It's why... Hockey Canada wants these teams to be a part of Hockey Canada. They all think they're doing what's right. And what is most right above all is just for these kids to play. So the fact that games this weekend were canceled and they're going to continue to be canceled for a little bit while this gets figured out sucks. Um, so we'll see how this goes. Um, and we'll see how the landscape of junior hockey kind of changes. So um, we hope to involve, involve ourselves a lot in the junior hockey landscape. It is... Um, very important to myself and also just the hockey industry in general. Um, junior hockey is the mom and pop. It's straight away from being mom and pop, but it's still very mom and pop in a in a sports world where franchise ownership and team running is more commercialized and corporate than ever. Um, the Blackhawks are one of the few remaining franchises in the NHL even that have familial ownership. Um, junior hockey is unique. It is unlike anything else, regardless of whether it is uh, the CHL in Canada, like Major Junior, or it's Junior A, or even Junior B teams. Or in the U.S., we have, you know, uh, the USH, USHL at the top. We have the NAL and, you know, other, other leagues going down. Um, these are these teams are very important to the communities. The These communities do a lot for the kids that they bring into them. Um, and... A lot of the times, a majority of the times, these communities and these teams and these people end up shaping who these young men are for the rest of their lives. So um, junior hockey is a very interesting world, and it's very important to the landscape of hockey, like I said. So we're going to always try and do our best to shed light on what's going on and to also try and connect to the players and the teams. Like I said, we want to go to uh, Saginaw this year, be boots on the ground in uh, Michigan. It's the first time that the Memorial Cup will be handed out by an American OHL team on American OHL soil. So um, it's very important. We want to connect and give light to these different things. Uh, same thing goes for the PWHL. It's just great hockey. Like, And we're always here for great sports, great hockey, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing. Um, so shout out to that. And we'll, we'll keep an eye on the, the BCHL and the AJHL story as it develops. Um, but that'll do it for us here today on Good Morning Hockey. We really appreciate uh, you guys coming to listen and sit in and spend about an hour of your day with us. Uh, like I said, six games on tap for tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow to recap them all and get you set up for um, the games that will be happening tomorrow night and also all the stuff that's going to break right as soon as we get off here. So have a great rest of your day. Uh, stick with us the rest of the week. And check out On the Gravel. Yeah, check out all the other shows. we got some Deep Fade with Zach Elliott deep coming fade, out tomorrow. Coming out tomorrow. Yep. And uh, yeah, a little update on the, on the gravel. We're going to be switching back to a once a week podcast after Ooh. the first week of February. So we got one more week in between this week and next week before we switch back. So that will be very, very exciting. Beautiful. But 
Yeah, everyone else, have a good rest of the day. See you tomorrow, everybody.